Hey, what's going on, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the Preacher Main Podcast with Jamal Brown. And this one's going to be an interesting one, y'all. Um, what do you think about us, the church, being called the bride of Christ? Do you like it? Do you think it's true? Let's talk about it. thing that comes to my mind when I hear the word bride I mean as to be frank I, I think of a woman you know given the times and stuff that we live in you know others may think of somebody else like a man or whatever but squashing all that I'm, I'm keeping everything to what God intended it to be so when I think of a bride I think of a woman and other things that are generally associated with a woman that's about to be married or in a marriage, you think of stuff like uh, a nurturer, you know, somebody that's supportive, having somebody that has empathy, you know, being treated and being treated, you know, as the weaker vessel, as it says in, you know, first Peter. And when you look at most of those traits, or all of those traits, you can probably correlate those into us being the church as in the body of Christ. And so I can't say I can't see how people could could see us being the bride of Christ, you know, because it's a lot of um, traits in there, characteristics in there that can correlate and that can, you know, lead us to believe, you know, that is true. But for me, it's always been something about being called the bride of Christ that never truly resonated with me. It was a tradition that was widely said and even, you know, had scripture to back it up. So. Given with other traditions, especially with certain traditions not really being a salvation issue, it made it easier to go with the flow. But as I kept maturing in the faith and going through life experiences, I saw and observed a different reality and mindset. Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, 12 to fight the good fight of faith is to take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. See, fighting is an action and taking hold is also an action. See, to take hold as a definition, it means to grasp or to seize in one's hand, to become settled, established or in control with great power and tenacity, begin to have complete control over somebody, something to become very strong. See, when you look at fighting and to taking hold these are these are verb. These are actions that we as believers apparently need to do on a consistent or we can even say a daily basis. You know, Paul also said in Second Timothy four, seven, he has fought the good fight. He has finished the race and seeing in a race, meaning there was some energy being burned. If anybody has ran a race, you know, you're going to exert some energy, especially if you're trying to win. Now, if you're just trying to half it out there and not really trying to win, you're just out there to be out there, then, you know, kind of whatever. But with anybody like with me, I'm a competitive person. Like if I if I'm in a race, I'm trying to win. And if you know anything about Paul just reading through the through the Bible and him as a person and stuff that he stood for, Paul, Paul trying to win, you know, Paul, especially when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to the faith, you know, so. When he ran a race and he's, he said he has finished the race, he definitely exerted some energy. And so 
there were intentions. If he had intentions to finish the race, I think it's also safe to to say that there was some strenuous training put in place in order for him to be able to finish it. See, I'm not a marathon runner, but in my prime, when I played tennis in college, we would go on six mile runs on occasions just to keep our stamina intact for when the season came around. See, the way Paul was talking about fighting and, you know, taking hold and stuff, it made me think of the the Rocky movie series. You know, anybody that know me know I'm a I'm a Rocky buff, man. More so Rocky two through four. Y'all can keep one. One is cool because it's kind of the the origin story, so to speak. So I I can't hate on one, but I yeah, I kind of sleep through one pretty good. But two through four, especially three and four, like those are just classic, you know, all time movies. Rocky, although he lost a few battles, especially when you look at Rocky three and four, he lost some battles along the way. But he always fought the good fight because ultimately he never cheated the process. Eventually, he got on track and trained and did all the other necessary things to finish the fight and win. As I kept on living, as I keep on living, as the old heads would say, as a man of God, I realized that in order for me to have success and thrive as a believer, I needed to know how to use the weapons God has already provided. And having a bride of Christ mentality, why would I need any weapons? Just think about that. If I... Having a bride of Christ mentality, why would I need to use any weapons? Because just just stay with me. In most cases, generally speaking, it would be a husband's duty or in this case, God's duty to draw and use the weapons in defense of the bride. And unfortunately, with the bride of Christ mindset, too many people expect God to automatically defend them without them having to do anything. Just sit back and say, protect me, God even though I'm not putting myself in a position to be helped. Too many people believe Job, he was randomly picked by God to go through torture. But the truth is, Job violated the spiritual law by operating in fear. And by operating in fear, he was putting himself in a position for Satan to attack his affairs. God is all knowing and he is all sovereign. However, since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, Satan has certain spiritual rights here on earth. And if we violate them, then God allows certain things to happen, but not because he wanted them to, but because we are ignorant of Satan's craftiness and his ability to deceive. I'll say it again. God is all knowing and is sovereign. However, since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, Satan has certain spiritual rights here on earth. And if we violate them, then God allows certain things to happen. Not because he wanted them to, but because we are ignorant of Satan's craftiness and his ability to deceive. A bride of Christ's mindset will have people questioning God's love because they can't see their own responsibility in the whole scheme of life. The Bible also says in Proverbs 23, 7, that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Meaning we shouldn't downplay the images and mindsets that we hold tightly to, especially if they're not context driven by the Bible. Those mindsets can shape how we react to real life experiences. In Ephesians 6, starting with verse 11 says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. 
Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of righteousness for shoes. Put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as a helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. See, and this all lines up with us believers, i.e. the church, the body of Christ being soldiers in the army of the Lord. And you can check that out in Second Timothy two uh, verses three through four. And what you may say, what are some characteristics of a soldier? Like these are the, some of the things that come to mind, because now when Paul lays out or God lays out all these weapons and stuff we're supposed to be using, you know, against the strategies, as in verse 11 says, we're supposed to put on God's armor so we can stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Like that's that's combat, you know, because he has strategies. That's what an S that's that's plural. And so that means there are multiple strategies that we're going to have to overcome to, you know, be able to be successful. This, if, if you're a basketball player or even NBA players, you hear them in interviews, they talk about uh, being, you know, having their go to moves, you know, like Hakeem Olajuwon, one of my favorite centers. You know, he, he has so many moves on the block. But then when you hear him talk, he said he also had to every main move move he had. He also had counters and those counter moves were to keep his opponent or his enemy on their toes to where they didn't know, you know, what he was about to do, because whatever move they thought he was about to do going to the left, he would counter it. He would fake. He would maybe go to the other side and, you know, go for the layup or a dunk, you see. And so we have to be able to. Stand firm against all the strategies of the devil, you know. So in order to do that, you have to have a militant mindset or a soldier mindset. And some of the characteristics of a soldier is, I would say, commitment, reliability, discipline, fearlessness, consistency, courage and patience. See, these traits more so line up with what I know, have read and believe of what we are as the body of Christ. Having a militant mindset like a soldier, what makes more sense and it describes how we as Christians should operate in this life on this side. If we have an enemy that is as passionate, as driven, as evil and as crafty as Satan, then we should always be on alert. But the great thing about that is we don't have to do it alone. Holy Spirit inside of us helps discern and give instruction so we won't feel overwhelmed by what the enemy is doing. And the fact that the Bible says Jesus is coming back for his bride we shouldn't assume that means us as the body of Christ. Also, I don't believe being a bride fits our descriptions as born again believers. Being a bride implies you plan to be married to Jesus. Like people that are brides, they're not officially married yet. They still have to go through the ceremony. They still haven't, in general terms speaking, like they haven't been intimate yet, you know, with their with their spouse or with their husband, like. This being a bride impl implies that we're not yet married to Jesus and a bride is called a bride for that simple fact. And as Christians, we are already married to Christ, quote unquote, married to Christ in a relationship sense, because we have him living on the inside of us. See, that's really, really closer than a marriage. 
you can't get more intimate than having God live on the inside of you. And if we listen and are in tune with God, you know, he speaks to us all the time. And I can't front like I have certain times where I don't think I'm hearing him and doing this and that. But I know he's always there because he's on the inside of me. It's just a matter. Am I putting myself in a position or environment or around other people that is allowing me to hear him at an optimal level? And see, in marriage, in this case, when we're talking about being a bride of Christ, you know, honestly, it, it may be a downgrade from what we have available to us now with him living on the inside of us. You may ask, then, who is the bride of Christ then? And so I want to, instead of paraphrasing and going off what, you know, this person said, I'm, I'm going to read uh, from a book called The Revelation Revealed by the late, great Hilton Sutton. He breaks down the book of Revelation like no other. He goes line by line, breaking down scripture, using references and correlating what was said in the Old and New Testament and lining it up with what God is saying in Revelation. It's a beautiful book, y'all. And he has a small part in there or well, small part, at least I'm going to read, talking about the tradition saying that we as believers are the body of Christ. Our, we as believers are the bride of Christ. My bad. All right, here we go. Throughout generations, it has been generally accepted and taught that the church is the bride of Christ. Is this teaching true or is it a major tradition without biblical support? I ask in good faith that before re reaching your conclusion, you examine all the associated biblical references thoroughly, allowing the scripture to speak for itself. There can be no argument as to the present identity of the church. According to the Apostle Paul, the church is the body of Christ, of which Christ is the head. You can see that in Romans 12, 5, Ephesians 1, 22 through 23, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, and Colossians 1 and 18. Now, please keep in mind that the terms church and body of Christ are interchangeable throughout Scripture. Also, remember that although Jesus laid the foundation for the church and is the foundation as well as the chief cornerstone, it was the Apostle Paul to whom the revelation of the church was given. Paul clearly established himself as the apostle to the Gentiles. I have learned through this study the difference between identity and relationship. Too often, believers have confused the two. When they have a wrong identity, it is not likely they will have they would develop a proper relationship with Jesus. For as long as I can remember, it has been said that the church is the bride of Christ. This teaching has been based on the following scripture references. Matthew 25 verses 1 through 13, John chapter 3 verse 29 and Ephesians 5, 24 through 30. Notice that not one of the scriptures that I just mentioned identifies the church as the bride of Christ. As a matter of fact, there is not one verse of scripture which states the church is the bride. What then must we conclude? Apparently, the church has been given an identity that is incorrect. This identity is based on assumption or what one may call a type or shadow. It is true that there are many types and shadows in the scriptures from which we receive insight. However, doctrine cannot be established on types and shadows. 
The teaching that the church is the bride of Christ has become a doctrine within the body of Christ without strong or clear support. This teaching has been around for so many years that it has become a tradition. Once tradition has been established, it is difficult to remove. In fact, people will fight over their traditions. It is certainly understandable that I would arouse opposition in questioning this traditional doctrine. How could so many men and women of God teach a tradition and overlook the soundness of the word? Perhaps an interpretation of Isaiah 54, 5 has clouded our thinking. See, it says, for your maker is your husband. There can be no mistake that God is the husband of the people of Israel, as is so declared within that chapter. One could conclude that since God is married to Israel, then Jesus would take the church as his bride. However, allow me to remind you that we are wrestling with identity versus relationship for the church. After serious study of all the scriptures, which seem to give the church a bride identity, I discovered that all those references were teaching relationship, not identity. In Matthew 25, had the foolish virgins maintained a right relationship with the bridegroom, they would not have been excluded from the marriage chamber. No one questions Jesus being the bridegroom, but I must question that the virgins, wise or foolish, were to be the bride. In the truest sense, they were friends of the bridegroom. Some had maintained an up-to-date relationship with him, while others had not. Considered John chapter 3, verse 29, in which John the Baptist, speaking of Jesus, makes a profound statement. He says, he who has the bride is the bridegroom. Apparently, there were people who thought John the Baptist to be the Christ. Why would anybody think that? Remember, John was the first direct voice from God to the Israelites after the ministry of Malachi more than 400 years before. During that period, the people had the writings of Moses and the prophets with which to direct themselves. However, the priesthood was virtually backslidden and idolatry was an everyday form of religion. Few of the people remained true to God. Among the faithful were the priest Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth. Zacharias and Elizabeth were quite old when they when their son John was born. Among the youth who still loved and worshiped God were Mary and Joseph. Now back to John's statement. Notice he said, he, which is Jesus, who has the bride is the bridegroom. The word has is the present indicator of have. Have in this verse indicates possession. The remainder of John's statement recognizes the friends of the bridegroom as those who stand with him, hear him and rejoice. When researching New Testament church identity, one will find that those who stand here and rejoice are identified as the church. In Ephesians 5, 24 through 30, carefully notice that these verses are describing the relationship between husband and wife and do not lend themselves to one's identity. So John, a follower of Jesus and therefore a member of the church, identifies himself as a friend of the bridegroom. Jesus tells us his disciples also were friends of the bridegroom in Matthew 9, 14 through 15, Mark 2, 18 through 20 and Luke 
5, 33 through 35. These scriptures relate the church to the body of Christ, therefore making the church a definite part of Jesus, the bridegroom. We in the body of Christ are involved in spiritual warfare. Armor and weapons are necessary and vital to every believer, along with the proper instructions as to how we are to wear and to use that which God has supplied. Revelations 19:14 further identifies us as an army, the same company called saints in Zechariah 14, verse 5. Notice how in both places we are returning to the earth from heaven. We go up to heaven as victorious soldiers and return to earth with the same identity. What more do I need to write? It is very evident that we, the church, are not the bride, but rather God's army in the world. And I kind of skipped around a little bit there because he has a like actually a couple pages discussing this. And I will encourage you all to to go get to go get his book. Like I said, his book is called The Revelation Revealed, and his name is Hilton Sutton. I think he passed in 2014. I think this book actually came out maybe the same year he passed or maybe the year before. But I had this book for about seven or eight years and this is my second time kind of going through it. And, you know, it's it's just as good as the first time and which is good, too, because this is just not opinion. He ba- he has a lot of scripture references. He's breaking down different words, what this word actually means. You can look it up yourself and cross references in Greek and Hebrew, you know, given having that bride of Christ mindset, it never it never really correlated with me because even when what he said there in that um, some of those excerpts, he was talking about how we as the body of Christ, you know, we're we're already one with Jesus. And so he's the head and we're the body, we're the lens, we're the organs. So how can Jesus, you know, marry himself? Because we, the church, we're part of him. We're the body of Christ. He's the head. And so we hear from Holy Spirit. And so we're the arms, we're the legs, we're the knees, we're the toes, we're the organs, we're the heart, we're the liver. You know, we're all of that. So how can Jesus marry himself? How can we be the bride of somebody that we're already in and that we're already a part of him? He's already living on the inside of us. This, like I said, it's not a salvation issue, but it's it's a mentality because if you have the mentality of being of that of that militant mindset of like a soldier, you will look at certain things. You will look at life way differently. You will look at stuff out here, like in the in the United States, the stuff that is blatantly trying to go against Christianity and the Bible. Of okay, we need to stand against this. We need to stand firm against this. I don't care what you say or what we what you think we need to do. I'm gonna stand on God's word. I'm gonna stand on His side, and. When you have that mindset, like, you know, I think it, it's it's a totally different way in how you move as opposed to if you had a, a bride mindset, you know, you may just sit back and just wait on God to defend you, you know, even though you're not putting yourself in any type of environment or an environment that's conducive for him to put his super on the natural that we're already doing. And I thought that was just interesting to share because, man, just like lately, everything, you know, me personally, I've been going through with all these mandates and stuff like that, man. Like 
You know, I believe in, in, in a certain a certain way. And I've been standing, you know, militant with a militant mindset, you know, surrounding myself with people um, and information that, you know, lines up with what I believe, you know, in the word. God gave me scriptures to, you know, to stand on with that, to help to overcome, you know, we're overcomers. And so you can't be an overcomer if you're just being still, if you're just being, if you're just sitting there doing, doing, not doing anything at all. In order to be an overcomer, you got to have the armor. You have to stand against the enemy, you know, the enemy that's, that roars, you know, like a lion. We have to stand against his strategies and all the stuff that he has planned. We can't do that, in my view, with a bride, with a bride of Christ mindset, because then that implies that we're not already in Jesus. You know, that we're we're trying to wait to come to him, to be married to him. But in reality, we have the best thing going. You know, we have the. The new the new covenant that's, you know, has way more benefits and that's greater than the than the previous. And so if that's the case, well, not if that's the case, that is the case, then we have to run through life here with a militant mindset. And that's not to say we, you know, Malcolm X, we shoot to kill somebody come against me. I'm a I'm a stab. him. no, we you know, we can come at them with the with the fruits of the spirit, you know, with the love, with the peace, with the long suffering, you know, but we do it. You know, in a way that is strategic and that is intentional on overcoming, putting our foot on the devil's neck and be like, no, not not here. You know, we're not doing that. And so. We all need to have this militant mindset now more than ever, because, you know, with everything that's going on, they're going to continue to press and push and try to control, you know, what we're doing. And we can't do that. By just bending over and just, you know, taking whatever they give us, you know, what I'm saying God gave us his word. He gave us what they call the fivefold ministry gifts, you know, the preachers, the pastors, the prophets, you know, the teachers, you know, all these people that we have, you know, available to us in order to build us up so we can be able to stand. So we can be able to use the armor and the weapons that God has already supplied us. Uh, anybody that thinks differently or had, you know, that bride of Christ thought we were the bride of Christ. I would like to to hear from you. So, you know, feel free to comment down. Hopefully you already subscribed to the pod and, you know, let me know what you think. Later.